0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. How's everyone this morning? Are you good? Absolutely amazing. So good to see you this morning. Uh, it's good to uh, have the opportunity to, to speak with you this morning. I just, maybe another encouragement around LinkedIn. Really love to have you there. If you've been a part of our family for a while and you have not done LinkedIn, really encourage you, come along. It's really just a, it's a critical part of our family process. So please come along, sign up. Uh, the only reason you need you to sign up is so we can feed you, as Michael puts so well. We're going to carry on with our series of Colossians today, but before I do, um, some of you may be asking, where's Mark? Why is Mark not here? Well, Mark is at Millington today. And the reason that Mark is in Milnerton is because of that. So on the left, we have Benjamin Asher Phillips. He was born this week. Uh, That is his father on the right. Unfortunately, that is not his father celebrating the birth of his son. That is his father celebrating Liverpool's win last night. It's okay. I said to him, it was a gift from us. Liverpool can have it. It's fun. All good. So they, they're doing really well. He's doing really well. Um, if you know them, you get a chance, send them a message, wish them well, and we'll see all of them soon. So Mark is just in Milton today, being a blessing, hey? Being a blessing. Fantastic. We're going to carry on in the book of Colossians today, and um, before I kind of share a little bit with you, we're going to need to do a bit of reading. Is that okay? Are you up for a bit of reading? Yes. You sure? It's your second one now, actually. You can recite it for me. It's fine. So I'm going to ask you, if you've got your Bibles, open your Bibles to Colossians. We're going to read out of chapter 2, but I will also have the Scriptures up on the screen. So let's get into it. Reading from verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Verse 8, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ, I do love that verse. Let's cut out the nonsense. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. That's important. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I love that image. I love that image of Him nailing my sinful record to the cross. It is no longer on me. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. Verse 16, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or not, um, for, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together by its joints and ligaments And it grows as God nourishes it. Verse 20. You have died with Christ, and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about these things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. But here's the crux. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Lord, as we unpack your scripture this morning, I pray, Lord, would you speak to us. Jesus, would you reveal the new freedom to us this morning, a freedom that you paid and bought for us on the cross. I pray this in your name. Amen. Those last few verses, they, they come across, they're quite heavy. Now, Paul is speaking and he's writing to a church that has kind of gone through a process of worshiping many gods. And the problem is, when we start worshiping many gods and, and, and bringing in all these different religions, we start bringing in man-made rules and regulations. You've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this a certain way and this that many times. And if you don't do it, well you're nowhere. Paul is saying to them, forget it. Because all, and even, and even good rules, yeah? and even good things done outside of Christ are worthless. If we're doing them just to look good or to please somebody or to convince ourselves that we are somehow holier, it's a waste. Paul says it's a waste. These things cannot do anything to conquer your evil desires. That's the crux of those last few verses. I wanted to put that there, and we're going to park that for now. This morning, I want to talk to you about a new freedom. Freedom is something that's really close to my heart. It's something that I've wrestled with for a long time. And I've often asked the question, I've often asked, what is freedom? How do we define what freedom is? And the reality is that freedom is is something different To different people at different times of their lives, depending on what they're going through or what circumstance they find themselves in. If you had to ask a teenager now to define freedom for you, they'll often tell you, I tell you what freedom is, let me stay up all night. Don't tell me when I need to go to sleep, I want to be awake. That's freedom often to a teenager. I I couldn't think of anything worse. It's like torture, make me stay up all night. But I remember being a youngster and thinking that it was amazing to be able to do that. Ask someone strangled by debt what freedom means to them. Or how about someone ravaged by addiction? What does freedom mean to them? Something that's quite close to us as as a people, as a country, let's ask people who were discriminated against Because they had a different skin color. Let's ask them, what does freedom mean to them? They'll give you a different answer. If you ask yourself right now, what does freedom mean to you? Where you're at right now in life at this moment, what is freedom to you right now? I bet you if I was able to get everyone to give us or give me their answer, it'd be something different. We process freedom as individuals and as a collective at the same time. And we see this. We know the story of our country is a a story of people fighting for freedom. A strong story. We see it in the Bible. We see the story of the, the Israelites fighting for freedom. And then actually getting freedom and not knowing what to do with it. That's often the case. We, we, we cry out for something, we believe that that's the freedom we're looking for, and then we get it and we don't know what to do with it. I've also been quite, um, quite taken with the story of the Berlin Wall. One of the outcomes of the Second World War. This crazy notion that what we're going to do is we're going to take a city and we're going to just, on one day, we're going to just divide that thing in two. And that's it. Whatever side you fell on that wall, that's where you are. Your family might be on the other side. Tough, wall up, now done. But then had the privilege as a teenager watching that thing come down, and suddenly kind of understand what that process was about. Do you, do you guys remember when the wall came down? Do you remember what year it was? Did you just say 1989? That's cheating. You were in the first service. <laughs> those are just making the marks at the back. If you could just take off ten points, please. 1989 yes um you know leading up to the the Berlin Wall coming down there were a whole of these concerts you know there's always music and and kind of fighting for freedom seemed to go hand in hand and there were these big artists that played at these concerts um one of them was David Bowie there's a joke going around that I look like David Bowie I do not look like David Bowie um Another artist was Bruce Springsteen, otherwise known as the, the... You guys are on it today. I'm impressed. And then, in late 1989, they have this, what they call the Freedom Tour concert. They had half a million people at the concert. 500. Can you imagine being in a concert of 500,000 people? Do you know who that... Don't answer. Do you know who the headlining act was for that concert? I mean, can you imagine just the magnitude of that voice and that singer... The headlining act for that concert was none other than the Hoff. (laughs) It is true. Apparently, David Hasselhoff is huge in Germany. He paid to a concert of 500,000, how nuts is that? So what I'm saying is that if you want a picture of freedom, that is it right there. (laughs) I actually had another picture that my wife made me change. It was David in his little red shorts. Um, and he's got very skinny legs. So I thought that, that's a picture of freedom right there. That if you're able to wear shorts, and re- it's like you're free. You don't care. Ask Michael. He doesn't care. <laughs> Michael actually did a Baywatch thing. I don't know if you guys are aware that he wore little red shorts. <clears throat> but in any case, um, and, and maybe it works. Because before that, he didn't have a girlfriend, and now he's engaged. So... It obviously worked. And as I was thinking about, talking today about freedom, I, I started thinking about my life and what freedom meant to me. And I kind of, I remember being a, a teenage boy and um, I have kind of remembered processing freedom. What freedom meant to me as a teenager. And as I kind of grew up, critical to my ideas around freedom was choice. I wanted to be able to choose where I go. I want to choose the decisions I make and, and what I process. Um, I, remember, I remember going to my mom and telling her I'm done with this church thing. I'm not going anymore. I'm done. God does have a sense of humor because I was done, but here I am standing here talking to you uh, in church. But that's cool. God's, God's good. I remember that that was, that was freedom to me, being able to rationalize everything my way through my filter, I'm choosing. Even though I was choosing a path of enslavement, for me in that moment was freedom, because I'm choosing it, it's me. And I look back on that thing and I realize what I ended up choosing was actually a life of indifference. I chose apathy, because I didn't care. I didn't care what you thought, or what you thought, that's your your business, whatever. And as I kind of grew into this, this young man, I kind of framed it as something more like liberalism. I was a liberal. I was liberal about things, yeah? I went to university, you know, ah, liberal. But all I really was being was apathetic and indifferent because I just had no view. I don't care, whatever. I didn't have a view really on my life. I didn't have a view on yours, whatever. And I kind of masked it with a fancy name. But all I was was someone sitting on a fence. Until. Until. But when we start looking at the Bible, and we start looking at what the Bible says about freedom and how it defines freedom, it starts to take on a very different feel and understanding. See, the the, the reality is man is constantly asking questions about his existence. Whether you believe that or not. Sometimes it just comes out in I don't know you 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 kind of buy yourself a few Harley Davidsons, sorry, (laughs) Mishy. That's how you answer those big questions. But we're always asking. We're asking questions about our existence, about who we are, about the reason we're here. What? What? What is the reason? What's the point? Yeah. Why? Why am I here? Who am I? Who are you? Who is God? These are these big existential questions we ask about life, the meaning of life. And often, they don't get answered. And the reality is, at a minimum, we're going to feel a bit empty because they're not answered. And on the other end of the scale, we're going to completely feel enslaved because we do not know the answers to these questions. But fear not, because God has answered the questions for us. And you know what? They're not big, fancy answers. They're very simple, but extremely powerful and profound. The reality is, the what, the why, and the who lands on one name, one word, Jesus. It keeps coming back to that. The answer keeps coming back to Jesus. I'm going to give you a few pointers here out of Colossians. In chapter 1, Jesus says, uh, Paul says this. He says, "...and this is the secret." We all want to know what the secret is. Yeah? What is the secret to life? What is the secret to happiness? What is the secret? Paul says, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Oh. Okay. He says, this gives you assurance of sharing his glory. You want to know the secret to life? You need Jesus. Because when you say yes to him, he lives in you and you have the secret in you. Number one, he is the secret. Number two, he is the mystery. In chapter two, he says this, I want, I want to personalize it, I want you to have complete confidence that you understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Wow. That's simple, but profound. You want to know the, the, the answer to great, life's great mystery? The answer is Jesus. It then says, in him lie all lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him. Because the reality is, that's what we want. We're craving for that. We want, all the answer, we want all the questions answered. I want the wisdom. I want the knowledge. I want to know this. I want to know that. It says, well, in him lie those things. He is the mysterious plan. And the third point is this. For these rules, in chapter 2, Paul writes this, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. He is the answer. He is the secret. He is the mysterious plan. He is the reality. It's as simple as that. It lands every single time on Jesus. He is the answer to everything. I find peace in the knowledge that everything is in Him, through Him, and by Him. I do not have to have all the answers. And you know what? He may reveal some of these mysterious things to us in our lifetime, and He may not. But when we're in Him, we're at peace with that. It's okay. I am, for some reason decided to go to university and study geology. Do not ask me how I got to that decision. It just did. And for some of you thinking, ah, he studied fossils and dinosaurs. No, I did not. That is paleontology. Geology is about rocks. Yeah? It's everything to do with rocks. But the problem is when you study geology, you have to... If you have to discuss, study things like, like chemistry and physics, and you've got to discover how the, 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 the sort of universe came into being and the age of the earth and all those weird and wonderful things. And there were times that I had to study about fossils and dinosaurs. So if you were to ask me now, Quentin, do you believe that fossils and dinosaurs are real? I don't know. If I'm honest. I don't. Does the Bible say anything about dinosaurs? No. Could God have created a dinosaur? Yes. I'm really not going to sweat that thing. Does it look like there's some evidence in the rocks that potentially there were these little... Yeah, it looks like it. But I don't know the answers to it. But he does. And he will reveal it in his time. Scientists say the earth is billions of years old. I don't know. Yeah? we're we're constantly seeing because of technological advances we're seeing how massive the universe is and scientists come up with all these incredible theories of how this all happened that's okay yeah it's not going against what god did god created it and he's allowing us to uncover it as we go along i really in my imagination i believe this i believe that when god created the heavens as it says in genesis i don't think that came quietly I believe that when he said, let there be planets, I believe it was a massive explosion. That it was, it was ridiculous. That if we were there already, we wouldn't have been able to handle the noise. That's my imagination. God could do what he likes, when he likes. And that thing settles it for me. He has all knowledge and all wisdom. I don't need to know everything. So why am I sharing this with you? Because the reality is, we sweat this stuff sometimes. We feel like we've got to argue with each other about these minor points. Because these are minor points, believe me. We believe that we've got to argue and take on non-believers about these things. He, no, he's not calling us to do that. He's the one with the knowledge and the wisdom. Do we sometimes need to form a good argument about something? Yes. But do we need to argue about everything? No. I worked with a, with a, with a gentleman a few years ago. He was a Muslim man and um, his name was Yusuf, he was a bodybuilder and, uh, and we, we got talking and we, we, we became friends. We started talking about life and we started sharing about Christianity and about Islam. And I in that moment decided I am not going to take him on about Islam. I'm not going to take out my Bible and he's going to take out his Quran and we're going to start matching things. Because the chances are, also he may know his Quran way better than I know my Bible. I just felt God say, you do not have to take this thing on. Tell him about me. I remember sharing with him about the love of a father. I remember sitting at a, in, the, in the break room and his eyes welling up as he began to relate a story of how he, as a young boy, had to learn the Quran, And that if he got, if, when memorizing it, if he got it wrong, the teacher would hit him. And how that destroyed his relationship with his father. Because when he went home to his father, hoping that his father is going to do something, his father will protect him in this, surely. His father did nothing. Because he needs to learn it. And I started sharing with him about the love of a father that does not say you need to learn this thing line by line. He says, I love you. I want a relationship with you. That man and his wife came to the service when we we were ordained as elders. He came. Devout Muslim man. And I believe God did something in his heart. He's moved to another country now. I just pray for him. I trust God's working in him. I want to encourage you today that when we allow these things to settle, we find freedom. We do not have to take everything on. We don't need to take it on on Facebook. We don't need to take it on in person. We just need to share God. We need to share the Father. We need to share Jesus. That's it. Someone recently asked me, why do you guys keep going on about Jesus? You guys sing about Jesus, you talk about Jesus, you pray about Jesus. Why is everything about Jesus? And I said, I just said, because it is. Everything lands back on him, in him, through him, by him. I want to give you your two-step plan to freedom this morning. Two-step plan. It's nice and easy. You don't even have to take notes. You can remember two steps. No, I'd have to take notes. I I don't remember a lot. Two-step plan to freedom. So here's your step number one. Accept Christ Jesus. Now, maybe you were hoping for something a bit more technical than that. But that is your step number one. Accept Christ Jesus. See, in that moment when you stepped forward in faith and said yes to Jesus, it was a moment of faith. You took a step of faith. And in that moment, you were saying to Jesus, my way doesn't work, I need your way. My way doesn't work, I need yours. And when we read here in Colossians, it says that some, a couple of very important things happened on the cross that are relevant in that moment when you say yes to Jesus. The first one is that your sinful nature was cut away. It was cut away. We need to recognize that. We need to realize that he did that. We don't have to do anything. He did it all. He cut it away. Then it says that on the cross, he canceled the record of the charges against you. When I picture that in my head, and it says that he then took that and he nailed it to the cross. You know, the charges against us are not a little piece of paper like this. You guys ever seen that fax paper? You know that with the roll? that just rolls out like that when you let it go. I see that. I see him nailing that thing to the cross and that thing just going. He took it all. The challenge is that some of us forget. In that moment, we found freedom, but then we forget. And it's almost like we're going back to the cross to rip off those charges and put them back on ourselves. It says in the Bible that he shamed the enemy, not you, but somehow we want to go take those charges back and walk around in shame. When he says, I've set you free. I did it. I bought it. You are free. It is done. Step number one, accept Jesus. Accept what he did on the cross. If you haven't done that, you need to make that decision. If you have done that, you can't forget. Because then you end up walking around with the shame instead of the enemy. He did it, it's done. Amen. Cool. In chapter 2, Paul continues and says, he talks about baptism. Another step of faith. He put that photo up. I found this photo this weekend. I haven't seen this photo in years. That happens to me be me going into the pool. And... Uh, i think i've gotten younger that was 11 years ago i am um, but i look at that picture and i i remember that guy i remember the faith that i had in my heart that day i remember the declaration i was making the old me is gone it's been cut away it's no more it's dead 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 The guy coming out of that water is a new creation. It's a new me. It's a new man. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of those declarations we've made. Because we forget we are human. You need to remind yourself. Today we're reminding you. I'm reminding you today. God's reminding you today. Do not forget that faith step that you took. I've taken it away from you. You are free. Point number one. Accept Christ Jesus. Point number two. In Christ Jesus. Verse six in chapter two, we read this. We started, we started with this verse. It says this. And now. Sounds like a... Pro, and now. <laughs> Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord... You must continue to follow him. It's actually very simple. If you want freedom in your life, accept Jesus and follow him. It says, let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. people who are free are thankful. If you look at yourself in the moment, you look at your life, you go, I am not living a life of thankfulness. There's a good chance you're not living in freedom. For in Christ lives the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ. That is my new definition of freedom. See, all those years of asking questions, of hoping to be free in all these areas of my life, freedom, financial, sickness, addiction. When God says, accept me, and be in me. Freedom is finding completeness. See, when we're not free, we're incomplete. There's always something missing. There's always a gap. There's always this hole. But when I find freedom in Christ, it says that through union with Him, I'm complete. My prayer this morning is that you would be complete being in Christ Jesus is a it's a it's a massive topic we could preach for years about being in Christ Jesus but I want to share with you just a couple of points as I close about the beauty the magnificence of being in Christ Jesus and finding freedom The Bible says that in Christ Jesus, you were chosen before God, by God before creation. He chose you. Now, that's a big topic. It's a big theological discussion. Again, right now, all I need to do is settle in my heart that he chose me. There's nothing better than being chosen. It's amazing. God chose you. In Christ Jesus, you are loved by God with an inseparable love. Again, another big topic. All I need to know now is that nothing can separate me from the love of God. That settles me, it gives me peace, and I find freedom. In Christ Jesus, you are justified before God. In Christ Jesus, you have become a new creation and a son of God. I don't think there's any better identity than being called a son a daughter in our lives as human beings on this planet so much of what happens in our life and around our identity and revolves around relationship with parents God saying he fixes that He heals that, He completes that, and He calls you son and daughter in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, you have been seated in heavenly places. That's a big topic. That no matter where you're at right now, maybe you're going to go to work tomorrow morning and you think that your work is a living hell. The word says that in Christ Jesus, you are seated in heavenly places. It doesn't say you will be seated in heavenly places. It says you are. That in that moment, in that circumstance, you can have freedom. In Christ Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen for you. God's promises are magnificent. And they are yours in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Can we pray? We all crave peace. For the cry of every heart is to have freedom and peace, In our lives. But as we see today, Lord, only true freedom comes only from you, Jesus. Peace comes from your government. Lord, I pray this morning that every heart would be settled in you. That for those who have said yes to you, Jesus, but find themselves living in a space of captivity. That they would look back at the cross, look back at what you've done for them. That you've canceled that charge, you've canceled that record. And that the Father looks upon them and says, innocent, clean. That you bought our freedom. And that in you and through you, we can find freedom in everything. In everything that you are the answer, literally, to everything. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that has never said yes to you, I pray that their hearts would be moved and they'd make a bold decision for you this morning. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for our freedom this morning. Our glorious freedom. In Jesus' name.